And welcome to the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sorelli. We've got Jamie Little, and I'm excited to, to, to have Jamie on because, one, we're, we're both from California. Yes. Uh, you're Lake Tahoe, which was much more pretty than uh, San Francisco in, in a different way. But um, did, I mean, your whole life there up to high school or? I lived there until I was about 12 years old. Mm -hmm. So great memories, you know, rode horses up there, did all the things that you would in an outdoor world. It was just, it's heaven on earth up there, as you know, growing up and going up to Tahoe. Um, And then totally different scenario. I moved to Vegas when I was 13. My mom took a job. So was that a culture shock? Culture shock. And at the worst time of your life, right? I mean, I'm turning 13. You're going through all these changes. I didn't have a dad in my life. So it's me and my mom. We go to Vegas and, uh, you know, you grow up pretty fast. You know, Vegas, as you can imagine, it's it's a wild town. It's not necessarily, it wasn't back then, you know, for kids. Um, but there were a lot of good things that came out of it. I, so, I, like, I, I never understand how people live in Vegas. Because when we come in, and usually it's been with, like, recon marines or SEALs, we lose our freaking souls. And we're like, get us out of this town now. I, it, it just, it's, it's, it strikes me that, that people live there. But, that, I mean, that town is, it's got, I think, Vegas is shut up siri uh vegas is one of the fastest growing towns isn't it they've they've got the raiders it's growing oh tremendous it's every time i go back my parents still live there and i go back all the time um great place to live especially now i mean all the golf courses you've got summerlin and green valley the different sides of town and if you're not a gambler you don't have an addictive personality Mm -hmm. it can actually be a very normal place to Mm -hmm. raise kids and um and have a normal life but it's changed fast and it is growing people are moving there in droves you you mean not all of vegas is like the strip that's right (laughs) there is life outside and i fun it's funny i do get that question like you live in people live in vegas like yeah and i don't live in a hotel we actually live in the desert and you don't work at a casino that's right yeah (laughs) all right so for everyone listening jamie you 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 probably recognize her uh a nascar uh reporter started with espn x games but the fact that you broke in and we had aaron andrews on yes uh, it seems like forever and she was great, um, but a woman to break into NASCAR, I'm going to use the analogy, is like a Californian in Texas. Texas. There you go. It's, it's, it's a little odd. In fact, uh, Will is as Texas as it comes, uh, Banderas, Texas. <laughs> and uh, when he first interviewed, I said, man, I'm from California. He sort of paused. He's like, okay. I think, I think you said, you're like, just so you know, I'm not gay. I'm like, that's, that's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm married too. Uh, it was a little weird, but uh, and you got the San job. <laughs> so he, he, you know, funny enough, we were at, we had an office in uh, Dripping Springs, which is not far from here, and it was right across from uh, some uh, a fire department. God bless them, and they were doing some drills, and they were loud one day. And myself and another guy named Noah go and look out the window, and he looks up because he's a video editor uh, and does all our video content. And he's like, "Hey, what what, what are they all what are they all doing out there?" And we're like, "Ah, oh, we don't know." Well, he's like, are, "Are they playing cornhole?" And me and this guy look at him, and we're like, "What the." F- what were they throwing sandbags around? I, no, they were drilling, and, and it just it, it just the uh, the text in, in them. So, but <laughs> you said something very interesting, and I didn't know that from your background and what I read. So, born and raised in Lake Tahoe, but you said when you moved to uh, Vegas, you were without a father. Yeah, uh, my my dad really wasn't in my life after I was four, so I was an only child raised by a single mom, and um, my mom. She was a badass. Like she did whatever it took. But the crazy thing is my mom was a seamstress. Like she she got this job making the costumes for the showgirls in Lake Tahoe. Cause as you remember, yes. there were showgirls and big entertainment. On, like on the Reno side of I'm sorry, on the uh, the Nevada side exactly. of the uh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, huge names would be yes. I mean Sammy Davis Jr., Bill Cosby back in the day, like that was the place. So my mom got a job as a wardrobe person. So I remember like going into work with her and all the you know, the ladies would come in and she's, you know, sewing like G strings and mm-hmm. you know costumes well the um the uh, producer really liked my mom's look and asked her if she wanted to audition to dance and um she got the job she and something that she tells me still to this day and and I've always lived by it is say yes and figure it out later and she did and my mom became one of the leads in the show and she was a showgirl, single mom and and that was normal for me you know living in tahoe my mom was this badass beautiful showgirl, and um that's how we got by and then when she got out of it she uh, got a job in the jewelry business and we moved to vegas that's amazing 
you know, people always have this notion that you got to go in with this like plan. Uh, there's there's a great guy who's a mentor, a guy named uh, Larry Robinson. He he's a, the VP of development for Fulton of Honor, which is a great organization. Oh yes, so they know, support for, NASCAR big yes, big in NASCAR. Do. Yes, we appreciate and them. His, his motto is always go before you're ready. Uh, or hey, it's like a you know, plane taking down the runway. You know, it's being built as it goes. Sometimes you just you I love go that. that direction with momentum and, and figure out the rest, like your mom said. Yeah, you know, and and that's kind of been my life. People always say, "Well, how did you find your way into NASCAR?" And it was like I didn't have this grand plan. I literally just had a love. I was a tomboy. I loved anything with a motor, like the sound, the smell, anything. So that's something. Starting at age age probably three or four. Cause when my dad, my dad and my mom were married still, he had a dirt bike and I loved to ride on that dirt bike with him. Wait, wait, so you, did you have one of those mini dirt bikes? I Is... didn't. I just rode with him on his and oh, I just, hold on and... yeah, you just hang on. I'm like, I just love this. It was like this visceral feeling. Like I never forgot it. So when we moved to the desert in Vegas, that's one great thing that came out of moving there. Like dirt bikes were huge there. Yes, so I met yes. some guys who rode and they raced in this sport called Supercross. And I love to tag along, but something like inside me at 16, 17 made me realize I need to tell the stories of these guys and what they go through, like physically, mentally, getting out of school just to chase their dreams. And that's how I found my passion. That's And I didn't have a plan. And getting to where I am today, it was never the grand plan. I just kept following my passion, and it took me there. Uh, I want to ask you a question about your mother because she sounds like a badass and, uh, <laughs> and what, what we call the an everyday warrior. Yes. You know, I've met more single moms that are more warriors than some of the, the people I served with. Yeah. Um, did she just sacrifice to, to, for you to, to, she to lay a bath? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the best thing that she could ever do is just set that example, you know, and I grew up without boundaries. I didn't know a role could be man versus woman. It was just, you did whatever it took. You know, we lived in Tahoe. It was going to snow four feet. My mom's at work. Well, who's going to shovel it? I did. Who had to start the fire and cut the kindling? I did when my mom was at work. Like you just did whatever it took. It wasn't like, well, that's a father role or that's a guy role. And that served me very well in my life. I mean, that's still to this day how I look at it. I'm not like, raw, raw female, it's pretty cool to be the first or, you know, a trailblazer, but I've never been the raw, raw type. I just want to be one of all of them. Yeah. So I just had a, well, she's, she's a partner. This is uh, Lisa Jaster, delete the adjective, um, where she was the third woman in the history of uh, the army to graduate uh, ranger school. This book just came out. In fact, I'll give you this book. Uh, Oh, awesome. um, So she did it at the age of 37 as a mama too. So the two women prior to her were in their young 20s. Wow. Um, and, you know, funny enough, people, when she went on social media on Facebook, she's like, hey, I got this opportunity to go to ranger school. Should I do it? You'd be surprised at some of the comments. They're basically like, that's not the role of a mother. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, you know, if you if you go away for three months to go through ranger school, uh, or actually I think it's two months, ended up being six months of four because she got rolled a couple times. They said, if you're not there for the little things, your, your kids won't come to you for the big things when they're older. And she said, to hell with all those people. And she's like, I'm actually, and you use the keyword, I'm setting an example for my kids to yeah. follow. And the, the family actually rallied behind her. But um, yeah. And, and that and wasn't I, her plan starting out, right? No. It's just something that happens as life evolves and you realize maybe something is calling your name. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you failed at something else because that's what you set out to do in your life. Let, let me ask you this. I know, I know you won. Your husband's name is Cody. We'll get into how you met Cody. Yeah. Uh, in La Jolla. So posh. So posh. <laughs> uh, but do you raise your two kids differently? Again, and, and I'm sorry, your son, Cody, is how old? Carter. 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 Yes, Carter's 10 now. My daughter's six. Do you raise them differently in any way? Differently from each other or different? In, in terms of principles uh, in life? I mean, Yes. It- I mean, my husband and I are very much on the same playing field. Just very real. Um, not spoon fed, you know, get outside, get your hands dirty, um, find, oh. find what you're excited about. Is this you how know? we were raised at eight? Get out of the house, come back at Absol- five when you're the dinner. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I'll call you when dinner's ready, but I don't want to see you until then. And I mean, I started at eight years old. I fell in love with horses and I volunteered at a ranch where people from San Francisco came and paid to go horseback riding for an hour or two hours, eight to 12. I worked for tips. That's how I got my first horse. And that's how I afforded his board. Cause my mom couldn't afford that. Yeah. Um, so I learned a lot of lessons that way. And that was being outside every day. That was working around animals. I think that shaped so much of who I am today. And it's hard in, in this world to raise your kids like that, right? Because you'll get reported. Absol- you'll get reported. You're an absentee yes. parent. 
Well, and it's just so much easier to give your kid, you know, a screen here, fill your time. I know where you are. I can see you. Sometimes you have to let go. I'm one of those parents. I'm just like, go get on your bike right now. I don't care if you're six, go out and ride for 30 minutes. I don't want to see you come back in the house. I know you're going to be fine because you're smart. You know where we are, but I'm just, I know I probably make the grandparents nervous sometimes because I'm like, just go, get outside, get confidence in yourself that you're okay riding your bike without anybody around. Do, do kids still play kick the can? Do, no, do, do, do uh, the can, no right? it's, it's the nice fancy soccer ball. Go kick the damn soccer ball or throw uh, the football. <laughs> we, I mean, we always used to, it was, yeah, we were, I mean, we didn't have to be told to get out at eight. We were out at kick the can or there was another game smear. Like where basically a ball goes flying around. You, you tackle yeah. whoever has the ball. It's basically rugby. You make things up, right? You, yeah. You get a rock and a piece of wood and you jump your bike in the middle of the street. Car comes, you move over, you do it again. Oh, you know what we would do? I mean, during the summers, we would go to the community pool and we'd be there from like the, the time it opened until the time it closed, swimming the entire day. But what did it yeah. give you? It gave you confidence in yeah, yourself. It and it, it used also your imagination. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a lot of scars. So um, you, you go from Vegas directly to San Diego State? So I moved to California. Um, graduated high school, didn't have plans to go to college. School was not my jam. Neither one of my parents had been to college, so Mm -hmm. it wasn't one of those things. And of course, there was no money to go to college. Um, So I'm like, you know, I'm going to move to LA and maybe try to model a little bit, make some money. But this thing kept pulling me back, and that was being a reporter, telling the stories of the sport of Supercross, because that's what I loved. These are the people I knew. And I literally went up to a guy when I was 18 at a race. He had an ESPN microphone in his hand. I said, hey, I want to do this. What do I need to do to get my foot in the door? I, I was ballsy. I it guess did, I've always say, been yeah, that that's, way. That's a pat on the head. That's he, very nice. Good. Yeah, it, actually, he was a nice. He's like, I'm actually local, and I shoot stuff locally in the area. Mm-hmm. And you're more than welcome to tag along and see how it works. So literally, I would go to these races, um, you know, dirt races, whatever they were, hand in the in the shot, doing the interview. So I learned how to ask questions. I learned how to write, but my hand would be on TV, and I'm like, Mom, I was there. That's my hand. Yeah. I did that for two years, not making a cent, just dedicated my time, learning the craft, and fueling the passion. Were you mainly watching just the overall operations or the specific reporter and what they were doing? It was, well, I was the reporter because it was one of those, like the guy has the camera and he's asking the questions, you know, with the microphone underneath. So I kind of, I helped him in that way. And um, then I became the live announcer for Supercross. So here, I think I was 20. I was going around all the stadiums in the country, 500 bucks. They'd fly me there. At 20? At 20. This is before you went back to school? Yes, yes. So I decided at that point... um, fast forwarding, you know, once I went to LA, decided this is what I want to do. Then once I was moving up and it was like, well, I'm going to be a live announcer. I better get something to fall back on. I need to get my degree. And I felt like my friends, people my age were passing me by um, emotionally, I think in that regard. So I got my associate's degree and then I decided to continue. So I went to San Diego state, but I was working on the weekends as a live announcer. And then I was getting my journalism degree. So it all worked out. And, um, yeah. So when when did you finally get into San Diego state? And I'm assuming that's your junior, senior Yes. Yes. I spent about, yeah, I think it was three years. Took me a little long to, to finish. Um, but yeah, that was that I think I was 19 or 20 when I started San Diego state. Yeah. Because I went back to school when I was 23. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which was cool because the Marine Corps was also paying me. So basically I was paid you to You did a school. perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I was, I was like a millionaire compared to the other, uh, the other college students. Um, and then you break into X Games in 98. Um, yes. Which is cool because I actually saw my first X Games in San Diego Bay. Um, I think it was like 99. That's going way back. Yes. So that was when it first really started. I started covering X Games. I think it was 2002, but I had done the Gravity Games, which was NBC's version. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, you know, there's a lot of things that got me there, but it was first off just being the live announcer, learning people, them knowing who I am. Then it started giving me opportunities in television. And I just, I was there at the right time. You know, they were looking for, you know, somebody like me that knew the sport and there weren't women necessarily that did any of these things before me. It's just, I was the next person and it made sense. So yes, I started with X Games, but the story of how I got there was my hand in the shot on ESPN. So I kept asking, who do I need to call at ESPN? Who do I need to call to get my foot in the door so I could get my face on camera and start working for this company? I finally, I find this guy's number, the coordinating producer. I call him up. 
he takes my call. He's like, I know who you are. You know, I, I've seen you. And I said, just give me a shot. Let me do X games. I won't let you down. He's like, I'm giving you a shot, but you know, if, if you're not good, you're done. You said that. So, yes. Yeah. And I, I said, I take that as a challenge and I promise I won't let you down. That same guy was the one that took me to IndyCar to NASCAR and was my boss for 15 years. The same person that gave you the, the shot was, was yes. in the, do you consider him a mentor? Absolutely. Absolutely. He was tough too. He was one of those tough men. Like he would tell me how it is. If I screwed up, he'd call me in before the show and, and tell me what I did wrong and how to be better. Was he harder, harder on you than, than, than other reporters? He was probably a little harder on me, yeah. but inside it's I feel he like saw, he we had a, something. he did, yeah. he saw something. Um, but we both appreciated what each other brought. I mean, if I never picked up the, the phone and called him, would I be where I am today? So Probably not. So would you not. say persistence is one of your, your, your better qualities? Yes. yes. Or strongest Pers qualities? Persistence yeah. and stubbornness. I won't take no for an answer. That's... How many times do you have to call to finally get through to, to I'm sure you called a lot Probably people, multiple but... times, yeah. yes, and asking multiple people, you know, and it just not lining up. And then that time that he finally took my call is, is all. I remember I was at my mom's house visiting her. She heard the call, and she was like, Oh my, my daughter's over there selling herself to this executive producer and it worked. That's awesome. That's awesome. That, that's one of the qualities, you know, you want to reinforce in children is like, yep. no one's going to say yes the first time. Yep. Maybe the, not the 20th time. Just, yep. just keep following. Squeaky so wheel. Quick, three no's, you're like, ah, I'm done. I maybe yeah. I don't have it. Yeah. I was, yeah, was going to say the squeaky wheel. Yeah. It's the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And I saw one of your signs in here about grit. Yeah. It's grit. How much do you believe in yourself that you could keep going back? Just because somebody says, no, don't doubt yourself. Keep going. That's what it takes. I didn't get all yeses in my life. That's for darn sure. So I bought all these leadership frames. There's some companies that do this. I had like, I had frames everywhere and my, uh, my young leaders in my organization, I come in, they took them all down. I was gone for a week and I'm like, what the hell? They're like, yeah, we, it's not our vibe. So they hung one of them in the bathroom that says, wait, wait, what is it? We were stronger together, and, and it has like a, yeah, really. a big fish chasing a pool of fish, and then a much bigger pool of fish. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah, this is corny. Yeah, we got rid of all of them. I like it. I like all these sayings. I want to take a picture of them. Yes. Oh, there was a lot more, but I got voted down. It's like the wall of badassery. Like that's, that's what I wanted to do was create the whole, whole, yeah. the whole wall on the outside of just with those definitions of execution, determination, grit. Because um, yeah. funny enough, your opinion, if you ask somebody to determine – I'm sorry, to, to define determination or persistence. Do you think you'd get, you'd get a good answer if you canvassed 100 people? How many do you think would give you a actually good definition of what it no, is? No, and I think it's a generational thing. Why aren't we teaching that in school? Why don't should we should be. Yeah? Yes, absolutely. Not just how to learn how to program or, you know, all these things that the kids are learning now. It's mind-boggling, but, you know... Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? If you can only go back and teach the things that you know you need in life and stop teaching the things that are obsolete, you need those human qualities, like you said. The soft qualities. Yes. Yeah. Like, how do you get up? How do you pull yourself up from the bootstraps if you fail once or you're told no once? Just because somebody tells you no after you worked your whole life and gotten your degree in something doesn't mean it's over. You just have to find what works for you and find the person that believes in you to say yes. And that, it goes back, I always give my bosses so much credit at Fox, but they are, they are incredible in that they believe in me and that every time I've gone to them and asked for an opportunity, they give me a chance. And I'm not talking just a chance like, okay, let's sit in a room and just talk and, and we'll judge it. It's go on national TV and see how you do. And if you fail, it's on you, but we gave you a chance. And to have a boss like that in anything, I think, is is so key in growth and potential for yourself. I, you know, I don't know how closely Fox News is related to Fox Sports. I'm sure separate CEOs, but I've been so impressed with Fox News. I mean, they've been, every time I've called and asked for a favor, well, I'm going to say a guy named Gavin Hayden, who's the EVP of Fox, like, yeah, let's get it done. I mean, they are just a, yeah, just a great organization. I know it's not for everyone in America. but Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they are. Um, and we work together. Fox News supports, you know, NASCAR and, and sports and all of that. But they are, they are very different. But I think, you know, 
philosophies, I think, when it comes to talent, on-air talent, yeah. how they treat people, how they allow you to, to expand your wings and try things. At my former employer that we've been talking about, it was not that way. It was, mm, stay I the, was, stay the, absolutely, yeah, stay, stay in your lane. Right and, yep, absolutely. Okay. You're, you're a pit reporter for racing and that's where you're going to stay. And by the way, you're lucky to work for us. Yeah, I So never you say can that. stay there. And well, that's, that's hey, not. Well, just, you are lucky to work for me. <laughs> Yeah. How often do you talk behind my back? <laughs> the voice is in his head right now. <laughs> well, Jordan's like, yeah, they talk shit when you leave. I'm like, not Will. Not Will. Uh, so, I mean, the X Games, I, I love it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. I don't think I'd be a good reporter because it would just be like, I'd be screaming like Joe Rogan yeah. on the side. You know, like, oh! <laughs> oh! And half the time, I don't even know what they're doing. I'm like, that was just badass. I mean, they fell. You know, I'll give them praise. But yeah. um, so I understand the motocross. But then when somebody comes to you, I mean, did you ask to go to NASCAR? Or did they say, hey, Jamie, we need you to... Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of both, actually. Um, so yeah, I was in the the midst of the the heyday of X Games, and it's so cool. Like, I mean, that was for people our age. Like, that was such a monumental time in our life. Like, Travis Pastrana. You know, every time we had X Games, we were seeing things for the first time. The first backflip, then the double backflip, and all this stuff. I was there with those riders in the moment. Travis Pastrana is an amazing human being. Oh, Known the kids since he was 12. No, no kidding. 12 was years old. Was he competing in the X Games he was, he was already freestyle motocross. Yes, he was a, he was a young racer. You, so let me ask you this. And I was going to bring him up because I know he just finished mm. 11th at Daytona. Yes. I don't know if that's, is that a pretty good for somebody who's been Incredible. Okay. Like, I mean, he did incredible. Didn't he, he made a big mistake though. He continued to lap when he was supposed to pit. Yes, uh, I think he missed his pits. But he yes. did lead that lap. He's like, yeah, I, yeah, I stayed okay. out and I led. That's um, so Travis. It, let, let me ask you: Is he just? Is it something that you put him on a uh, you know motorbike? You put him in a car. It's just natural. Anything with an engine, natural, and some screws loose upstairs. But the funny thing about Travis, he's a genius. Like he is really smart. Like off the charts. He can just yes in school. Like he just one of those. He's almost like a savant. So you're like, how are you so crazy? Like, how do you do such incredible things? But to him, they're not crazy. He's just pushing the limits to see what he can do and to further the sport. But Travis Pastrana, if you go back and just see some of the moments that he's had, he's incredible. He should have died 10 times. He's, he's had countless concussions. I mean, I probably mm -hmm. witnessed 10 of them mm -hmm. just in my years covering him. Um, all the broken bones, everything. And then he comes out and says, well, my one bucket list is to run the Daytona 500 because that is the one thing I sucked at was NASCAR on pavement. I just couldn't race. I couldn't figure it out. So he came back with a great team. And uh, it was, to me, one of the cool stories about the Daytona 500. I mean, you have this, he's an icon in the world of yeah. motorsports yeah. and he was able to finish 11th. It was a really cool story. That, that is, it's a testament to his character. And he basically said, yeah, he's like, I'm good. This is my swan song with, with NASCAR. Yeah, but I'm yeah. like, whoa, dude. Maybe you should look 11, at like, yeah. like, come join us and let's see what you can do. But he's just one of those guys. He can do whatever he wants. He makes a splash and he's a great human being and has so many followers. And I just think he's a great example for that younger generation. So, he, I mean, here's the obvious question. I'm sure everyone asks you uh, this. It's just within the special operations community, which is male dominant, mm -hmm. say sport, whatever you yeah. want to say it. We, 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 like, once a woman, like, we're like, okay, you're good to go. It's like a little sister. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's a little different in NASCAR. Was it, how was that breaking in? Where, where, did you receive a lot of, I'm sure there's guys that are just great leaders. They're like, hey, very nice to meet you. Yeah. Talk about it. But, yeah. I mean, were there others that are like, yeah, get out of here? Yeah, I think you have a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. The good thing for me is, you know, I took the steps to get to where I was. It wasn't like I, I just came, you know, I was this unknown Demanding. woman and I came yes. in in 2007, like here, I'm, I'm here to cover NASCAR. And they're like, no, if you're not part of NASCAR, that fraternity, it's, it's hard to get in. But once you're in, like you said, it's like, all right, you're part of us. You belong here. And the fans, I mean, They'll eat you up if they know that you don't know what you're talking about or you're just there to ask questions and be a, a pretty face on TV, you're screwed. I know what you mean there. Yes, I know. <laughs> I like the look. Um, but so you said something earlier about your relationships with with the, the, the participants, with the drivers. That's with everything. 
Absolutely. Is, is that what makes or breaks? I remember Aaron saying that. Yes. Is that like you actually had this genuine, authentic, I want to get to know you. Beyond. Yes. And Aaron's the same way. She and I worked together. We covered some yeah. things together back in the day. I, I just, I admire everything that she has done. Obviously she's set an incredible, um, you know, she's an incredible role model. Um, but what she's done in climbing the ranks, you know, from college sports and moved her way up and, and she's embraced that role. No different with you. Right. Yeah. But the, the only way that we make it there and we have the staying power to be here. I mean, this is my 17th year covering NASCAR alone. That doesn't include IndyCar and X Games. I've been around a long time. And that's because you're trustworthy. You do a good job. You culminate those and cultivate those relationships so that you have the trust so that you get the stories that you can report and people enjoy listening to you as a reporter not a woman not a man yeah. you're a reporter and, representing and i'm really zeroing in on the fact that you're a woman it, but i just i would right. be interested but and you said trust is there a line there though when um what's the uh, nascar guy who uh uh, said there, were, there was a noose hanging and it turned out to be... Bubba. Bubba. Bubba, Bubba Wallace, Bubba, thank yeah. You. But is there a line where like, hey, I've got to report this because these are the facts. And he's like, well, if, you know, I'm sure a writer's like, if you report that, then our relationship's done. I mean, have you... Have, yeah, there's instances? definitely that. The cool thing about my job, I, you know, I'm I'm not that hard-hitting news reporter. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're on TV, you're, you're part of that show and you're there to report the facts. But... I don't have to get into those really deep things. There's other people that do that. That's, yeah, you know, the you Fox the, News and all of let, that. Let but you have to the, learn all that and navigate it. Absolutely. Yeah. I've gotten in trouble over the years for reporting something that wasn't supposed to come out yet or saying something because I, you know, one side and I didn't get the other side. Those are all things you have to kind of learn on the fly. And, you know, I was so young coming into this sport. You have to learn a lot of crap. I mean, there's a lot years. going on. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. I look at it and I'm like 17 years. What, what were you, 12? Oh, well, yeah, like. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, well, I started, yeah, I, I was almost 30 when I started. Well, I guess I was 28 when I started um, and I'm not going to ask you your age then. Um, I'm almost 45 next month. You're, you're 44? Yes. Okay, I am 45. Awesome. Good. Yes. You're 77? I did, uh, yeah, I'm a 77. You're 78? Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. It's like the fine wine. That's right. Just get better. Hey, it's hey every, everyday warrior right here. You're, you're, you're a millennial, right? Okay. One of those. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the millennials are awesome. But you're right. I mean, awesome. when I first came into the garage, the great thing that I had going for me, going back to that, is um, a lot of those people watched X Games. They watched Supercross. Yeah. They yes. watched IndyCar. Crossover. So they were like, hey, it's so cool to see you here. You're covering our sport. So that made it a lot easier. But it's funny that I never saw the way that I'm looked at when you walk into the garage and you're newer to the sport until one of my colleagues... A, a guy was coming over to start covering NASCAR. I worked with him in IndyCar. And he's like, I walk in here with you, and I, I feel like we're in a jail. And, like, that woman is walking through in the way that they all stare at you. I'm like, I don't even notice that. And I think that's the biggest thing. Sure, they can look at me because yeah. I'm different or I'm the one female, one of the few females walking around back then. Um, but as long as you don't get offended, I don't get offended by shit. You can't get offended. This is, it's real life. And if they want to look at me that way, okay, I don't care. You know, I am what I am. I'm not going to stop wearing makeup and stop wearing what I'm wearing to cover the sport that I love. I'm here because I belong and take it for what yeah. it's worth. And you've earned, you've, you've earned That's your right. That's right. Um, so, which is, which is funny because you come from California. I, I'm not kidding you. I watched Talladega Nights in Omaha. That was my prep for, uh, for Jamie Little. Oh it's, my God. Uh, and it's, it's funny, like, again, people's perception of, like, special operations, if they have no military background, is shaped off of what they see in the movies. Yes, it's, right. Like, it's, it, it, it's always struck me as I'm like, it's a bunch of, like, just redneck. But I, I went to an NASCAR, and it was, they are the coolest events. I understand why people go. They are. It's just great people. They're, yeah. It's such a family sport. And I'll tell you, you go to a NASCAR race, if you've never been, you have access to drivers, like, uh, unlike any other sport. I mean, football, what are you getting? You're getting, you no, could get a front not, row seat, happening. and yeah. you're looking at your your favorite, you know, players. Um, no, in NASCAR, you can buy the VIP passes or, you know, just the pit pass. So cool. And you're right there seeing all yeah. the drivers lining up next to their cars. You're getting autographs, pictures with them. That's the coolest thing about NASCAR. It's so accessible and people really care about all the drivers. And that's what makes it fun for my job. Let me ask you about the level of shenanigans within NASCAR. It's got to be high. 
Oh, the mental stuff. Oh yeah. There we've got to have that, right? I the worst thing to me is when you have a sport where there's a fraternity and they're all buddies and hang out. You're yeah. not supposed to be friends when you compete against each other. Oh, but they are? No. No. No, not in this sport. I've covered other motorsports where they are more of a fraternity. And yes. it's like we have our clique and then there's that clique. NASCAR's not that way. There's mutual respect. And there might be a couple that, you know, hang out and their kids hang out and stuff. But for the most part, these guys win and they're like, I'm not here to be your friend. I respect you for who you are, but I'm here to kick your ass every I Sunday. That. I, I love, love it that. too. That's great. They're grit. Like that's NASCAR drivers just have grit. Is you know, there are a lot of mental games amongst them? Um, yes, yes. I think they all have their ways of getting inside the head, especially when you get into the playoffs, you know, and they're trying to get in each other's kitchen. Like, you know, it's like anything, right? There's some that handle it a lot better than others. What's the wildest thing you've ever seen in NASCAR? Either funny or just like, just epitomizes that, that level of just, uh, competition. Yeah. Gosh, when it gets into the playoffs and they start smack talking each other and then, you know, they, they flounder like they're in the final race of the championship and mentally, you know, they can't hold it together. And the guy who's talking all the smack with, you know, the, the most confidence ends mm -hmm. up winning the championship. But yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of, of that that goes around. I've seen some crazy things over the years for sure, but yeah, I, it's, you know, it's not on, I completely understand when you see some fights in the... That's probably the craziest thing that's happened. It was actually here in the state of Texas, um, 2015. So it's in the playoffs, and Brad Kozlowski and Jeff Gordon get, get together. And they're battling for a spot to move on in the playoffs, and um, they get together. Jeff Gordon gets his tire cut, and um, so he's, like, out of it. So I'm like, I've got both of them. I'm scanning their radios. I'm like, I'm going to be there right when the race ends, and they bring it down. I know where they're going to stop. So I get down there, standing next to Kozlowski's car. So he gets out. Jeff Gordon comes in. All these people start getting around the car. You they know, know, they're all they swarming. They know it's, like, it's almost it's, like it's a, gonna a be on. Hey, I'm oh, gonna yeah, you just know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And just... So it's known I love being in the middle of fights. Like, I just love it. I find okay. my way in. I just, I love emotion. Whether it's happy, it's pissed off, you want to fight because it's raw emotion and that's how much they care. And I, I feel like I'm a dude in that way. Like, I just, I love it. I love that emotion. I like being in the middle of it and I like hearing from them right, you know, straight out of their mouth when it happens. So... Jeff Gordon pulls up right next to Brad Kozlowski's car and he gets out of his car and there's so many people, Jeff can't even see where Brad is. So there's a shot of me on camera. I'm like pointing like he's right here. He Instigator, fire starter. Yeah. Totally. So he comes over and I'm right here. Next thing you know, there are like 250 grown men throwing punches all around. Like you just hear it through my headset. I'm hearing slaps, punches, all this stuff. And the whole crowd's moving. I had guys come like trying to move me out of the way. There's a shot of me elbowing another reporter. Can, I won't can you mention. Pull that up? You get the, Oh yeah. Put it to 2015. What was it? Yeah. Race? Texas motor speedway fight, NASCAR fight. fight. And, um, I held my ground. And they were, there was pushing. They pushed each other. Brad Kozlowski ended Wait, up with some blood on his face. You, you got a few blows in? Uh, elbows. elbows. Yes. Uh, yeah. But I did not lose my spot. Thank goodness I'm tall because I was able to, to fend off some. Because um, as you can imagine, there's other reporters. They want to get in the middle of the action. Yeah. They want to be right there and, and first to get it. Like, They're like, let's protect off. the girl. Let's uh, No. Back off. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. here and I'm covering this this story. Beer bottle. Yeah, I'm lucky <laughs> that didn't happen. Cut. Yes, but that was a huge, that was the biggest fight that NASCAR's ever seen. Yeah. It was huge. In terms of penalties, what were passed down? They yeah, like crew points? members that aren't part of it. I, yeah. I can't remember if it was a points penalty, but definitely crew members, like, this isn't your fight. So you're out for a couple of weeks. I think did, there were did, uh, some of those. Was Gordon's tire cut by... Yes. It was. Yeah. They got together, cut his tire, went down. Jeff's, you know, he's winding down his career. People want to see him advance, go for the championship. Yeah. So, was yeah. He a class act? You seem like a... Jeff is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He worked with us at Fox for a couple of years, but he's, he is an interesting dude. Like, so. he just, he's so classy, but he has this side, like he was a NASCAR driver, but then he's like New York, you know... Like yeah. Saturday yeah, yeah. Night Live. He looks like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good looking, the has the dude, beautiful yeah. model wife, and he likes to party. Like, 
this guy has fun. Like, what is it out in the desert um, outside of Reno? Oh, the Burning Man. Burning Man. Jeff Gordon goes to Burning Man. But then he's like the head of Hendrick Motorsports and God knows how much money he has. Like, he's just, he's this amazing person. Have you been to Burning Man? This is, this okay, is so I'm standing right, right there. Wait, wait, See, I'm wait, like, wait, Jeff, wait, wait. Jeff, Jeff's coming right up to Brad Kozlowski. Look, he's like, where is he? See, I'm pointing. There he is. Here's Brad right here. So all these men start coming around each other. And uh, so they're running their mouth. Then Kevin Harvick comes up. You can't even see it yet. So there I am. I'm trying to listen to what Jeff's you, you saying. You got the, the yellow air yep, phones on. Yep. Okay. Got the yellow headset. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh stuff. Oh, okay. So oh. Kevin Harvick pushes Brad into Jeff, and then that's where the punches start flying. This is beautiful. So that's one of the fun, you said craziest things I've seen. Kevin Harvick was, see that? I'm in there like holding, uh, nope, they're pushing, punching all around. It was insane. See how like crew members are punching around people's heads. <laughs> this is, this like, is like, none of them know how to fight. They're just, <laughs> jump on this guy. This is, yeah. Oh my gosh. I had to go have a couple beers on the plane after that to come down. And they're trying to pull you. Somebody's trying to pull you out. Yeah, yeah. Yes. This is great. Oh, yeah. Like, nope, nope. Right here. The guy right behind me tries to move me out. And then there's a shot of me with the elbow. Like, nope, back off. Did you go partying that night? Like the adrenaline? I went and got on the airplane. I was such a letdown. But, yeah, you have to have a couple beers, come down, and then just social media. It's like, you know, if we didn't have social media, you wouldn't even know the, you know, the fallout. But it was, that was a big one. Look at all those people. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they wanted you in studio to, to cover that a little more in depth afterwards. Or, yes, yeah, but yeah. I was literally, I was just about to sign with Fox and they literally called me and was like, we got the right person. It was like perfect timing. I'm like, yes, yeah, sorry. I'm glad you guys are happy about your choice. I can hold my ground here. See, and then I interviewed Brad. He's got some, some blood on his face and yeah. This is great. Was he, uh, he's clearly shaken. Look at yeah. That. Not probably not a fighter. I don't, no, he is yeah, not yeah. a fighter. No. Brad's or um, Jeff is scrappy, as you saw there. Yeah. That wasn't Brad yeah, or yeah. Uh, Jeff's first fight. I, he, he's passionate. He's what passionate. Yes. My wife's like, I'm <laughs> passionate. I'm like, okay. And I appreciate that. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't think that fights are the way to settle everything when you have a, a no, disagreement. No, 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 no. I, I agree with you there, but they're like to a point. Yes. Like does violence? Like I'm not trying to play the whole oh, well, hey, you know, guy was a seal. No. Does yeah. violence solve some things? Yeah, it does. When there's yeah. no more civility or logic to be had, and there's evil at bay, um, yeah, this probably not. Yeah, violence does solve some things. Yes. Yeah, I think sometimes people just need to be punched in the face. To be honest, I, I mean, Mike Tyson's quote was a uh, was it? Everyone has a plan until you're punched in the face. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it doesn't. <laughs> um, there's a great quote by the author who's 1920s. He wrote Conan the Byzantine which then became Conan the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to bastardize the quote. But he basically said, like, the civilized man is a, is a coward that will hide behind words with no uh, consequences whatsoever. And since this guy wrote Conan uh, the Barbarian, had studied uh, savage culture, and he said there was a, a, a respect within savage culture that um, that if you ran your mouth, you, you could end up with your head bludgeoned in by an uh, uh, axe. And it goes. I, I think there's very little accountability for the words that come out of people's mouths. Well, back then they knew what the repercussions were. And now if there's no repercussions, what stops you from doing anything? I think that's a problem that we have in society right now. And those are the things that I'm trying to teach my kids that you do something bad. There are repercussions and there are fallouts and it's, it's hard to teach them that, but I feel like that's missing in so many people's minds like yeah. well i can do this and get away with it what, what are they going to do to me that's what i loved about the seal culture is there were like we, we said hey if we need to go behind the berm yeah the sand berm let's do it so i always knew that was a possibility so i always <laughs> treaded lightly and uh <laughs> tried to create more relationships than uh destroy him uh because i was around tough guys and that was not a uh, tough guy um so you've got uh the play-by-play announcement for fox sports coverage of the arca uh, Mendar, is it Men? Um, Arkham Menard series. So okay, it's like Arkham a development Menard. series. Okay. Yeah, for Fox. Um, it's kind of like that 
entry level to national racing to move up the ladder in NASCAR. Mm -hmm. So um, it's funny, you know, I, I've covered the cup series, the top series since I first came into NASCAR, but now that I'm trying a new role in play by play, which is the lead announcer role, it's not something that you've seen a woman do. Ex and explain to me why it's so tough moving from that to the play. -by -play. Well, I, I think that the precedent has always been that it, that's a man's job. I mean, that literally is a man's job. You don't see many women doing play-by-play. -play. When you say man's job, are you like predominantly past, past yes, uh, drivers? Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. No, play-by-play -play is, you know, the Joe Bucks of yes. the world. That's yeah, yeah. that's the play-by-play -play role. You're the lead announcer. So that's just been a man's role. That's just the way that it's always been. In 17 years, you know this sport better than most. Right, absolutely. absolutely. You would think that that experience and covering the sport, you know, warrants that. Um but it's just the way that it's always been. And, and maybe before me, there wasn't a woman that ever said, hey, I want to do that. Sign me up. But I've had to go backwards and start at the bottom to work my way back up in that role of play-by-play. -play. I'm still pit reporting for Cup and doing all of that. But now this year, I'm doing play-by-play -play for the NASCAR Truck Series. So moving up another notch, which it's been amazing. So here's where I'm having trouble understanding why we most people wouldn't step back. They're like, no, I'll stick with just... The yeah. NASCAR reporting. So yeah. Why would you do that? I like being challenged. I like getting out of my comfort zone. Which I love that. That's I, where I, the true growth and learning takes place. Absolutely. And, you know, I ask myself this because it gets stressful. You do something new and all eyes are on you. If you fail, well, it's on you. They're going to say, told you so. That's the worst thing that could happen, right? So I ask myself sometimes, I still do, like, why am I doing this? Like, I'm a mom of two kids. I have nothing else to prove. I've been here for so long. I'm good at what I do. Stick, stay yeah. in my lane. Most people choose exactly. Absolutely. And so at, at 42, I guess, is when I first started doing play-by-play, -play, I challenged myself. And now this year, challenging myself doing the truck series. Um, it's a huge job. It's a big step up. But the fact, you know, and, and it gets a lot of attention because a woman hasn't done this role before which that's fine. I'll be the first one. I, you know, it's a responsibility that I'll take on. If it opens the doors for more women who want to do this to come forward or producers to say, yeah, it's okay. People are going to accept the fact that it's a woman calling a race and it's not that a man with a deep voice calling the finish of a race. Does that make a difference? Um, as long as they know that it's okay and people are going to enjoy it because they're good at their job, then hell yeah. Who's yeah. next in line? Yeah. Competency above, above all else. Yeah. I don't, I'm, care if, I'm, I don't care who you love, what yes. you look like, if, if you're competent. Absolutely. You got to place my team. I'm a big believer in the right person for the job. If you're right, you're next in line, it's your job. Yeah. You're not filling a void. You talked about stepping outside of uh, your comfort zones, even, God, I'm gonna say, even at our age. We're young. <laughs> uh, you're right. We just had uh, Stephen Kotler. Do you, do you recognize that name? Uh, he's 14 books, 11 bestsellers. He just wrote a book yeah. called Gnar Country, as in gnarly. Yeah. Uh, so he taught himself how to park ski, which, you know, stunt skiing yeah. at the age of 53, which is unheard of. What? But he's written great books like Stealing Fire, which actually he came into the SEAL team I was at and studied us. But basically he talked about the, the superpowers of aging that you develop, that knowing that park skiing, you can learn it at 20, and you could sustain a lot more injuries. You can't do that at 53, so he had to do it in a smarter way. But he was doing tricks before he knew it within three months. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Because a, that a, goes beyond the emotional and psychological. It's oh, a physical yeah. thing that holds you back. How often we say, well, I'm just too old. I can't, you know, old doctors right. don't learn uh, new tricks. Let me ask, from a personal perspective, as a parent, do you push your kids outside their comfort zone? Yes. Because I can see, well, you see the limitations in them. Like my son is playing soccer right now and he's about to start playing football, which I'm nervous about as a mom. You know, you just, you see all those things that could go wrong, but. Flag football. It's or regular, Warner. regular, yes, okay. regular football. Yes. So, you know, all those things that can go wrong, but that's not me. That's not what got me where I am. So I have to let him go, go try it. You know, you figure it out. If, if it's not for you, you don't like getting hit in the head. Then we won't play it. We'll find something else. But I absolutely, you know, I, I am big on giving back. You know, mm -hmm. earning your keep is what I always call it in this life. Nothing is free. And even though your life is great, my life is freaking great. And I have everything I could want. I have to still earn my keep. And by doing that, you get back to your community. And I love animals. And I'm all about rescuing. So I Dogs. make... 
dogs. All I'm cats. a huge dog person. All yes. about animals. But what, yeah. What's your favorite breed? Um, Pitbull. Pitbulls. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love. I love underdogs. I love. That's just me. Yeah. So I've got Pit four dogs get a at bad home. Rap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God, my dogs are freaking amazing. I've got four rescues at home, um, but I I make my kids come with me to you know help foster those you know whatever it takes to help these animals and see that animals are in need and and the importance of adopting over buying from you know some puppy mill um but those types of things like kids they they want to go play with their friends they don't want to go and serve they're going to a food pantry in indianapolis tomorrow with my husband I mean, my, my mom always made us do that. Yes. You know, Thanksgiving, you're going to the food shelter. Yes. Out. And yeah. you remember and we, to we this day. It. We hated it right. at the time, but now I, I understand what she was trying to do. Because you didn't understand. Yeah. But it's out of their comfort zone. It's like, yeah. why are we doing this? I don't want to do this. I, I I love doing that. And I, to me, I'm trying to teach them through my actions. So everything that I do, I want them to understand why I'm doing it, why I have to leave you every single weekend. Um, I, that's the most I can so do. So you explain that to them? Like, Hey, mom's not going to be home because I've got to go. Yes. You know, the food we put on the table is. Absolutely. And, and it's funny. People, like sometimes my husband's like, you don't have to tell them that. But yesterday my daughter's bawling when I'm leaving again. I leave right now. I'm in a stretch of 20 straight weekends on the road. So I'm home for like two and a half days. Throw, throw up the, uh, do a search for the 1987, uh, don't do drugs commercial. 1987, don't do drugs. You'll recognize this one. So I'd so, People are like, oh, Mike's just a podcast. No, I'm not. I'm actually, I just got Global Gurus, uh, top 30 leadership experts in the world. Uh, so That's I amazing. speak to companies uh, for a living. You know, one, I've written two books, The Talent War and The yeah. Warrior. Um, but I love talking about leadership. I love talking about leadership development and culture. But uh, what people, uh, and you've, you've said it multiple times, the highest form of leadership development is lead by example, which we call observational mod- uh, learning or behavioral modeling. And that's, you know, that's what you do with your kids. Absolutely. Um, if, if you have it, you know, it's the one with the father. You'll, you'll love this one if you remember. It'll be a blast from the past. Father, don't do drugs. <laughs> but don't do drugs and father. For me, it's... Right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember this one? Oh, yeah, my click gosh. Click the, uh, the volume... Yes. 80s, you said, right? It's it's the oh 87, yeah. It it's the uh, volume button on the uh, the actual YouTube. I'll yell at Will later. I'm joking. Oh, there we go. Go back. God, the 80s. You, you remember this one? Yeah, I remember this one. Set the example. Oh my gosh, yes. That brought it, back some memories. It, yeah. And I guess that campaign, I, I didn't know at the time, but the campaign was wildly unsuccessful. Because um, that was, I think it was heavy Nancy Reagan at the time. God bless mm-hmm, the Reagans. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> it, like, I've been smashed by, did you, wa- did you ever wa- uh, follow the Chicago Bulls in the 90s? Yes, a little bit. Did yeah. you watch The Last Dance? Yes. Oh my gosh. Did, that destroyed everything I thought. I'm like, oh, there's this team that gets along, they're great, and you're like... Oh, Michael Jordan's a, he's, he's one of the best, he's the best player ever, but he was an asshole. He yeah. had a high bar yeah. to which other people Absolutely. did not appreciate. Yeah. Um, Michael Jordan's one of the owners in, in NASCAR. So he comes to some of the races. He's been a NASCAR fan since he was a kid. His dad used to throw him in the back of the car. They'd go to the racetrack. So I've, I've met so him. he's out of love. And he, he was awesome. Like my experience with MJ was incredible. Like Talk about, like, you you see a lot of celebrities in the world that we're in. in Sports, people want to be part of sports. They want to be seen at sports. But I've interviewed Morgan Freeman, you name it. But when I met MJ, it was like, hold on a second. The show's going to go on without me. What does you, you know, what does he have to say? (laughs) He was incredible. I I think I'd be that way for Morgan Freeman as well, because I've seen some of his videos. He's just, mm. yes. I I took my wife to, uh, not Charleston, Hilton Head. Yes. Where I think Michael Jordan lives. And I'm like, Michael Jordan lives here. And we went there to see it potentially uh, move from Austin there. And she's like, no, get me off this island. It was, it was too, too old. Just different. Uh, yeah, yes. It was too old. But. Yeah, it's beautiful there. But leading by example, um, I'm a big fan of it because I realize, 
you know, in the role that I have, I do a lot of interviews and, you know, every time I get, you know, a, a new role and you're the first female and okay, I always say yes, I always want to do the interviews, but I'm not fully comfortable talking about myself. I'd rather like, okay, you want to know my advice and how to do it? Just watch me. To me, that is just so much more impactful. Doing and I try to remember that. Talking. Absolutely. I do, could tell you yeah. all day how to do notes and all those things. It doesn't mean it's going to work for you. That's the thing. I hate telling people how they should do something or how I did it because it's probably not going to work for you. Just watch the work ethic. Outwork the next person. That's all I can tell people. That is my best advice. Work harder than the person next to you. Will, I'm, I'm forgetting the head coach of Michigan State. What, what was his name again? Tucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mel Tucker. Um, highest paid black coach in the NCAA history. Michigan State had two great seasons up front. They, they struggled a little last season, but in his first two seasons, they beat Michigan both, both times. Puts him in the record uh, book for Michigan State. But he said the reason he loves talking to successful people is it like they leave breadcrumbs to success. Maybe not all those breadcrumbs will work for you, but he's like if you pick up enough, determine how to use them in your life, like you start to identify a playbook or a, a, that is so a true. Rest. Let's say less less turbulent path to success, man. I've 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 talked about those breadcrumbs. That's I love that. You know, and it goes back to what I talked about my mom. You know, I don't remember all the life lessons or things that she told me, but I remember what she did. I remember those images of seeing her in the wardrobe room sewing and then her on stage and me watching from a light booth, because of course I wasn't allowed in there because it was a topless show. Yeah. Like, but these these, I mean, to see my mom do that, I didn't realize the impact back then, but I still remember those moments of her doing it and what it took. I think you naturally have a greater appreciation for what your parents did once you become a parent and you start to understand yeah. why. Yes. At the time, I didn't want to hear it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm raising a mini me and my daughter. I'm like, my mom's laughing every single day. Like, yep. What comes said, around goes does, around. Does she a little 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 talk back to you? Independent, little... stubborn, but I'm never going to have to worry no about you? her. Oh yeah, and I put come? out I mean, her clothes. Do you, do you... I don't know how to deal with it. Oh, you don't. My get husband face, does like... a lot better. <laughs> oh, she does. She gravitate towards daddy sometimes. Oh yeah, but I'm practical thinking. Like, okay, if you don't want to wear what I wear, but then it's like, no, but I have to be a parent, and I got to put my foot down. And if yeah. I said you're wearing that, you're going to freaking wear it, yes. you know? Or I, I signed you up for dance. You're going to damn stick to it. And she's like, I don't want to. I don't want to do dance. Like, it's just, it's such a weird thing being a parent. It is the most amazing, most rewarding thing. You learn more about yourself than doing anything else in your life. Um, it's such a gift. But now I'm just... I think I'm screwed having a mini me in my life. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm sure you and your <laughs> husband laugh. Uh, but you got to push. Like my, my parents had me in every like music instrument until they recognized, yeah, this this, this is not, it's not clicking every sport. I mean, and, and I'm trying to think of the book uh, Range and I'm trying to think of the author. It's a great book. Um, and I'm, God damn, I'm forgetting the, uh, they use the example of Tiger Woods who was basically put on a path. Yeah. And of course, Tiger Woods became one of the best but Roger Federer, I guess he was involved in so many sports up until the age of 14 until he chose like 16, chose tennis and then really focused in. Yeah. But they talked about how he had such a broad range of experience that that broad range he collected in his youth made him even better in uh, in uh, in tennis. Uh, if you haven't picked up that book, The Range, uh, God, I want to say David Epstein. David Epstein. Okay. I would love that. A great philosophy for raising your kids. Oh, dude, right? it's great. And he goes into many different facets from music, musicians. It's and it, it really goes to show expose your kids to as much as possible and then let them in, in you know, their yes, late teens, Yes, I just had this 20s. talk with my son the other morning too. I'm like, all right, you're going to start football. You're doing soccer. I want you to try all of it. But again, if it's not for you, you don't have to do it. Just yeah. figure out what works for you. And, you know, I, I found racing just because it was something that excited me. You know, I always tell people too, if they, well, how do you get into that? How? I say, first off, just find out what, what excites you. What's your passion? Is there something, whether it's covering a dog show or it's covering a football game, what excites you? Find that and then do whatever it takes. Yeah, whatever it takes. Poor. There's a, there's a distinct difference when you used to talk about this in the SEAL teams. And a buddy wrote a book called uh, The Attributes. Uh, he was also a SEAL that there's a difference between quitting and giving up is saying, Hey, I've tried this football. I, I'm going to quit this, but I'm not giving up. I'm just pouring that passion yeah. into golf because it's, I, it's what I love. And so there's a distinct difference in getting kids to understand that. Like if yeah. it's not for you, we understand, but always ask your question your, yourself, 
is it because you're uncomfortable? Can you push further? Maybe yeah. you're just in a rut and, and you may be making a decision that's going to last you for the rest uh, of your life. But I think the most beautiful thing is when somebody finds their calling or their passion when they're younger and then yeah. they just soar. And then it's not like work, you know, the eight year old that loves golf so much, they're out there every single day. I just hope that for my children, that you find something that excites you so much that you're willing to put everything aside to focus on it. Yeah. And, and you know, that passion, we, we both know, I'm preaching the choir. So it takes some people a while to find it that. It does. I found my passion. I didn't know it was going to be my passion. I loved special operations. I loved it because I sucked at it so much. So it was always a challenge. <laughs> yeah, right. And I was surrounded with guys that had such a high bar. I'm like, okay, that's, yeah. that's the bar. And I'd, I'd meet it and then, and then identify what's next. But it's been rough since I retired. It's just like, what's my passion? I started multiple companies, some a failure by mm -hmm. textbook definitions. Talent work group is doing extremely well in the leadership development and executive search. Ended up with this men's journal gig. And we're, we're, we're slowly finding what, where, where my passion is, or I guess also, it's also what pays the bills. Like there is like explaining that Absolutely. like, hey, your passion, if your passion ain't going to pay the bills and you got yeah. kids, you, you like. Absolutely. Yeah. But to me, I, I think that the secret to life is finding what truly makes you happy, that you enjoy doing and get paid to do it. Not everybody can, yeah. but like you said, that range, the more you expose yourself to things in life, the more apt you are to finding something that trips that trigger. You know, if you're just, you know, those blinders on and you don't look outside or that comfort zone, you never go outside that comfort zone. How are you ever going to know if you love something? It's as simple as putting food in front of your kid and they won't touch it. I'm like, you have to try everything once. If you yeah. decide you don't like it, you know that you don't like it. But how funny. I remember my parents giving me sushi and I spit it right <laughs> up. I think it had to be like eight or 10. And now like good for your sushi, parents. I'm, like, I'm, in. I'm in. Yeah. It just took a while to figure it out. But so Jamie, one, congrats on the career and everything you've achieved. I mean, that's one hell of a story. Without a doubt. I mean, this, I, I'm glad I met you. Um, Thank we you. end this in a certain way. So as if you were talking to your, 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 your son and your daughter or anyone who's listening, who may be struggling, we ask what are, what, you know, what's the best advice? What are those three things you would tell someone that have led you, you know, let's say keys to your success that have led to the majority of, uh, of your success, your principles, what three principles stand out? Like, if you do this, hmm. You're on the path to success. It may not, it's never going to be easy, but you're heading in the right direction. Yeah. Well, I've used the word a lot, but passion, you know, find something that excites you, that, that trips your trigger, makes you excited to wake up in the morning, right? Um, love, whether it's love for yourself, love from others, love for what you do and love for life. Appreciate the good things. You know, stop finding the negative. Stop looking at the news every single day. <laughs> Find the things that make yeah. you happy. I mean, it's if it so bleeds, simple. It leads, yeah. Absolutely. Turn off the news and it's like, holy crap, life actually is pretty good outside these doors. It's not falling down and crumbling down, right? Um, and persistence. I think that's everything in life. Whether Which you're you looking for a, 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 a mate, a, right? A walking example of persistence, yeah. Yeah. Um, whether it's, it's career, a, just a job. Be persistent about it. Um, what are those things that you want to accomplish in life? Do you want to have a family? Well, I realized at 28, if I want a family, I better like get going here. I've been all focused on my career and I made a conscious effort to put it out there to find somebody so I could have a family. And for me, it happened. I, I'm not going to believe that you had to push Cody to, to, to ask you to marry him. <laughs> well, I, it happened I, quick it, once I found him. But, how, how quickly? Um, well, we got engaged nine months later okay. and then well, got married. My wife and I were six. Yeah. That's awesome. See? Second, second, when, second go around. Yeah. Let me, let me well, I was going to say yeah, second yeah. go around or, you know, when you're at that age in life, which I think like 29 to 34 is probably the ideal time to meet somebody that you want to spend the rest of your life with. Because your life is, you, you've gone outside those parameters. You've gone the range in life, right? You understand what makes you happy and what you're looking for in a partner. And for me, I always told myself, find somebody because I want to be with them, not because I have to be with yes. them. Be self-sufficient. Yes. Uh, yeah, my, you just, my wife made all the wrong mistakes marrying me based off of what you just said, but Hey, I won. I won. Uh, <laughs> so you, you talked about love. That's interesting. Uh, one of the things that people don't expect me to do when I come in and talk to companies is like, Hey, you guys have perceptions in the military. Let me, let me smash them right now. How do you guys think we led? Oh, well, you just give orders. I'm like, wrong, <laughs> this wrong. We lead through love. Bottom line. I love mm -hmm. my men and women a lot more than I hated the enemy. Mm -hmm. And part of that is the highest form of compassion is something called accountability. If you see your kids do something wrong, you stop them. You explain why that was wrong. Or yeah. maybe you ask them why they did the things that they did. Yeah. And you explain 
why it's wrong and the things that they need to do because you want your kids to become competent, contributing members to yeah. society, but especially who can stand on their own two feet. It's no different than leading people is I want to see the very best. I yeah. want them to become better than me. Uh, and, and that's interesting. Love is... Uh, Accountability. I love that. That's a word that we need to use the highest, more of. The highest... We are, in a, we are in a state where there's no accountability because if you do it, you're unempathetic and mm-hmm. uh, that's it. That's, there's some dangerous narratives out there. Well, it's, it's somebody else's fault. Yeah. Oh, the victimhood. Uh, I, I talked heavily in the book about victimhood and then Fox. It went viral and they're like, hey, come on and talk about victimhood. And it's Don't be a victim. Take responsibility yeah, for your own actions. There, there's, 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 you know, I believe victimhood is on a spectrum with vulnerability. Vulnerability is one of the like, just most courageous things if done right. But if it goes wrong, it then becomes victimhood. And we're yeah. in an age where if I'm a victim, people are like, oh, poor you. And you just stay there because you get attention. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we also ask, and, and some people are like, I don't care about my legacy. And, and I respect mm-hmm. that. Um, but for you, when all is said and done, and let's say it's 50 years from now, or maybe 55 or 60 years from now, what do you want your legacy to be as a warrior? And you are a warrior. I, mm. I'm loving it. I sense it. What do you want your legacy yeah. to be? Gosh. I want people to look back and say, you know, not only, you know, that I did things for the first time that I was the first at this or that, that's, that's That's not what's important, but but being true, I was always true to who I was and the energy I brought to everything that I did, whether it was being a wife, a mom, and it's hard. I'm, I'm not saying that it's, it's easy by no means to balance all these things. I fail at something every day. But I feel like I have always been passionate to who I am, and that shows on TV. My love, excitement about what I'm doing. But you have to create that. And I hope that one day when I'm gone that my kids can say, my mom always did what was right. She was always good. She was intentional. And she led with love. And I think now that we, I don't know if you've ever mentioned this on the podcast, also instigated the worst fight in NASCAR uh, in history. So she'll go down. Yeah. And I hope my kids always say it. My mom was a badass. That's actually so. pretty badass. <laughs> People are trying to pull you out and you're going in. And that's another so. thing. I mean, we haven't even talked about the fitness side of life, but just okay. how Hit important me. it is, you know? Well, I, I mean, clearly you, is, is it, what's your combination of diet and fitness? Um, is it for you? What is that percentage? I mean, you're on the road. It's yes, it's interesting. Like it is a huge part of my life, mm-hmm. but I'm not anal about it. Like I'm not a stickler. Like if I want to have dessert tonight, I'm gonna have dessert. But for me, it's just it's a lifestyle. Low sugar, low carbs, more protein, more greens, consistency, and exercise. If it if my workout today is 15 minutes, that's okay. If it's an hour and a half tomorrow, that's okay. If it's three days a week, which is pretty much what I'm doing right now when I'm on the road, that's okay. In terms okay. of workouts, actually getting yes. or doing some sort of, so with your schedule, and this is because I'm on the road nonstop, is, yeah. do you focus more 80% on diet, 20% on working out? Absolutely. Of, okay. Absolutely. But working out is for the mental. Like it just makes me feel better. It gives me more energy. I feel like there's those silos in your life and I try to keep them all equal and it's hard. And when you get out of balance with the workout stuff, I feel like these silos all kind of fall. And we've all gotten in that rut. So um, when, when, when you can't get a workout in, is it early morning? Yes. Mornings. Yes. I learned the other day. I tried to work out like five. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was it's terrible. Yes. Yeah, start your day off. Right. Get those, you know, for me, it's like, it used to be, I have to do this. I have to work out this long. I have to work out this many days. And it's not anymore. It's like, I want to get my heart rate up. I want to get my sweat on. And I just want to feel good. That's the main thing. That's why I tell people if it's 15 minutes, I, I train with sandbags. I, I love it. Um, in, in Indianapolis. In Indy, okay. in our garage. Like the, I started with sandbags. He's your, he's your trainer. Um, Yes. The, my husband and I just train with sandbags. So every day I've got the workout of the day and this is what I want to do. And it's, it's been great for me. Um, yeah, never been what, in better what, shape. What is, what is his sort of philosophy? Is he uh, like a mix of CrossFit, cross-functional fitness, functional, weightlifting? Functional fitness. Yep. Mobility. High interval. Yes. All of those things. Like we've got the, uh, you know, the assault runner and yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Um, but I love the sandbag, the odd object interval, like that stuff is just, How about it's amazing. In, in my 40s, I've, I'm one hip replacement, one oh. hip replacement down, I know. People are like, you got a hip replacement? I'm like, yeah. Uh, but I jumped into Everest nine months, almost to the day. Uh, Incredible. Uh, against the doctor's uh, wishes. But uh, <laughs> what, 
what do you, what is your typical workout look like? So, well, for the sandbags, 25, 35 minutes or so, mm -hmm. but I mean, everything, we've got the TRX bands, the, the brute balls, like, and of course that's all like tactical, like it's military yes. stuff. I love it. The sandbags, it's it's freaking hard, but injuries. it makes you strong. The injuries, you got to be wait, careful. I mean, is, uh, you're, you're now in your 40s. Yep. We're, I guess, over the hill as per the uh, definition. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything, shoulders, joints? Oh, yeah. You? Like back a little bit. Back for sure. I hurt my back when I was younger, so that flares. But then at the same time, working out makes you feel better. If you have those ailing injuries, the shoulder injury, of course, all that stuff. Uh, let, let me ask this. Uh, with pregnancy, does that exacerbate lower back problems maybe a, a little bit a but little again bit. kept working out it kind of it helps everything to did me did you throughout your pregnancy i did absolutely oh, my wife sends me she's like i'm gonna work out all the time when i'm pregnant which i believe she is because will knows her she's uh yeah she makes me it makes you that. feel better because your freaking body hurts and i was on pit road up till 36 weeks pregnant Are like oh i wore a fire suit i was working pit road hell yeah I wasn't going to let anybody else fill in just because I had a at baby 30, in there. I, I, I called the waddle. <laughs> at, 30, at 36 weeks, are you waddling? Oh, yeah, start, I was. Yeah. I was in victory lane. I have a picture. My belly's out to here. I'm like, I'm probably scaring the shit out of him right now. <laughs> He's like, are you okay interviewing me? Um, but people still bring that up to me. They're like, God, I remember you were so pregnant. It was like 90 degrees out. But that, and I did whatever. I, I would walk in Vegas when I was like, you know, 30, 36 weeks pregnant. I would walk two and a half miles and just sweat just so I stayed acclimated to the Race the conditions. Or the summer? summer. So I stayed acclimated to okay, my honest, job. Vegas is miserable. I like we, it is. we were just out there for uh, my cousins or my nephews and nieces competed in the ta Taekwondo National Championship and it was like 118. I'm like, yeah. It's hot. I thought yeah. Texas was hot. I mean, it's a humid heat compared to Vegas, right. but yeah. So I knew my husband loved me because he moved to Vegas with me. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a man's like band. A He'd want to yeah. live in Montana and be in the woods. Oh, and, yeah, I'm jealous you know. of my brother. I'm like, I can't be cold. Well, Jamie, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, for joining us. Where can people follow you? Which where are you pro predominantly on Instagram, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, Twitter. Uh, at Jamie Little TV. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See my story. I post some, you know, uh, nothing too serious. A little bit of racing, a little bit of family, some workout stuff, and dogs. Lots of dogs. Lots of dogs. I'm never going to fault you there. I'm a I'm a Belgian Malinois Dutch Shepherd type of guy. So of course, yeah. military badass dogs yeah. right there. Well, mm -hmm. he will barely come into our house because of our Dutch Shepherd. We're working on it. <laughs> dog after my own heart. Yeah, Love he's, it. He's, he's a biter. Uh, <laughs> he's a scary looking. Nobody wants to come in. Yeah. The Mohawk comes up and I mean, it's just, it's Oh yeah. So Jamie, uh, where are you off to next? What's the next stop? Austin. We're racing at circuit of the Americas. NASCAR. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't even tracking. That's how gone. Uh, that's how often I'm gone from Austin. Well, have fun this weekend. Uh, if there's anything we can do for you at men's journal. Let us know. And thank you I appreciate us. you having me on. Yes, it's fun. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Men's Journal Everyday Warrior, your host, Mike Sorelli. Again, be good.